and we're live. You're tuning into Cosmic Children. I'm your host, Kevin. And today I have an interesting duo in the studio with me. Could you guys introduce yourself? Okay, so my name is Ellen. I'm from Terra and Ember. And we are a pottery studio that just started in 2020 in mm-hmm. the times of the circuit breakers. So pretty interesting time. So my partner over here. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Sarah. I'm Ellen's partner. And uh, yes, so as he was mentioning, um, we started our Terra Amber studio uh, during very trying times, um, during the first circuit breaker in Singapore. Uh, and currently right now, uh, it's been about one and a half years and um, we've been invited here to kind of have a chat and just talk and tell about our story here. So, I didn't know that you guys started during circuit breaker because <laughs> I've always thought that you guys had, I guess, a longer history. So what prompted you guys to want to start a pottery studio of all things during Circuit Breaker? Oh, yes. Uh, actually, it was a hobby in 2016 when I was pursuing my master's in NTU. Okay. Uh, my very first experience with clay was at Dragon Kiln. What is Dragon Kiln? Dragon Kiln is, I think, the, the Singapore's oldest wood-fired kiln. Wood-fired kiln. Yes. So there okay. are a lot of type of kilns uh, out there. Mm. There is... Uh, pit firing, there is wood firing, which is the dragon kiln, there's gas, and then finally modern times, which is the electric ones. So that has been around for a long time. I'm not really sure which year has it been, but it is now categorized under the heritage of Singapore. The so, spot over there? Yes, the okay. spot, the site itself also, which is conveniently located outside NTU. So uh, that was where I got my first experience and I got hooked onto it. Uh, it kind of, it's kind of, a funny thing, it started as a hobby and eventually it evolved way beyond that uh, back till 2018, 2019. Okay. Yeah. So that is where I started. I want to share more about this craft yeah. with everyone. So which kind of con- we conceived the idea of bringing pottery to people. Yeah, so the studio we mentioned earlier, it started in uh, the circuit breaker times. Mm. But before that, we were doing mobile pottery uh, workshops. Mobile pottery, my idea of pottery class uh, is not, not very mobile. mobile. Yes. Could, could you speak to that a little bit? Correct. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Yeah, because uh, as, as you mentioned, uh, your, I mean, your idea of pottery is very static. Mm. It's all must be within a uh, site. Yep. Yeah. Uh, agreeable is very messy, which is why it has to be tied to one spot. Mm. But we kind of did mini pottery or miniature pottery. Mm. Uh, the machines itself, it's very portable, can be charged and bring it on the go. Mm which is kind of like how I conceive the idea, like how about we just put it out in art markets, for example, and then we just let people do pottery uh, uh, in the location where it's very convenient for them, yeah. or it can be at an event space where yeah. more people can get to know about this, uh, which is why uh, this idea of mobile pottery came to be. It's like a different spin on things, yeah? Correct. Yeah. Because yes. most, most people, I mean, they have heard of pottery and they have probably know someone that probably has tried it somewhere. Yep. But I we realize that Singaporeans don't really have a lot of time. We yep. are really, <laughs> I mean, just day to day can really absorb most of mm. our time. And just thinking about having to travel out because most pottery studios are actually in pretty ulu places. Yep. Yeah, like it's probably some industrial area yep. that's really hard to get. So like just taking the effort and the, and the time and the commitment to go over there and just do one session really turns a lot of Singaporeans off. Mm. So that's why when we started out this pottery uh, venture, it was actually just oh, to make and like kind of sell to friends in a way, just like a hobby like what Ellen mentioned. Yep. And then we're like, oh, why don't, at the same time while selling at our markets, which is where we started, why don't we bring the experience out 
and then we all our markets are usually at the epicenter of Singapore, yep. like Boogies, yep. um, City Hall area. So when people walk past, they're like, "Oh, what are you guys doing?" And then they're like so interested, and they can actually just we actually let them try on the spot. Wait, yeah. with the mini pottery? Yes. yes. So, oh, we, interesting. so we have, usually we'll have two tables, like one table to sell the wares and another table where we'll be running the mini pottery experience. Mm. And they can actually shop and then at the same time, they can just try the experience for themselves. Yep. So that's when they really get hooked on it. And then they're like, okay, I'll come out to your studio and I'll really try it for real, you know? So so that was kind of like our selling point at mm. the beginning. Yeah, when we first started. So I want to shift the focus back to Alan. You mentioned you did a master's at NTU. Was it oh, yes. in anything creative or what, what was the master's in? Oh yes. So I did my bachelor's in visual communications okay. in art design media yep. faculty. Yep. Then uh, in 2015 onwards, I straight away went on to do my master's in from 2016 to 2018. Yep. Uh, so yes, it is more of graphic design related. Uh, not ceramics related. So it's more digital on the digital side of Correct. things. Correct. Okay. Was that yes. in preparation for you to uh, go into the advertising industry or any sort of like graphic design house? Yes. Uh, that was what I thought because <laughs> we usually want to find job that yep. is related to our degree. Yep. Uh, and it kind of evolved over time that we, we, we actually learned the process and the methodology in life while in uni. In university. Wow. Is that like a special class or something? Uh, no, it's basically uh, what the what university has taught us is the, the method in which we solve problems. So I think the takeaway is not just the paper itself, mm. but the life skills that we picked up from there or, or the, the four or five years that we, yep. uh, 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 in this tertiary period. Is it tertiary? Mm, yeah, I get it right, right, yes. So what has been a memorable so, lesson from your uni days? Uh, my takeaway or my most memorable days would be my hall lives. Okay. So that's where I got to know a lot of friends. Uh, yeah. That's when the network start to form. Gotcha. Yeah. And then that's where the life lifelong friends are formed as well. Yeah. So basically, there's no strings attached during that, that period of time. Everyone yeah. is just a carefree. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So what about you, Sarah? He, he mentioned that his first time was uh, at the Dragon Kiln. So what about you? Like first time, I guess, doing pottery. Did you have like a... Did, did you go to like a, a uni to, to do something like creative? So, so I was yeah. also in NTU. That's actually how we met. Oh, yeah. cool. <laughs> so the, yeah. the whole life is yeah, yeah, yeah. So the lifelong friend no is wonder. over here, actually. More than that also. Yeah, yeah. That's that's okay, okay. Friends and partners. Yeah. So yes. we met in hall in yeah. NTU. So um, honestly, I'm... So my vocation uh, in NTU was completely different. I'm in science. I'm in a science track. Any particular science? Um, biomed science. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I, from young, you know, from from young all the way till probably uni, like I have no interest whatsoever in art. Like I'm not considered artistic, musically inclined person. Yeah. It's like just on math, a different path. Math like, basically. and science. Math yep. and science. So yep. when I met him, it's like you know, it's like he will introduce me to different different crafts, and I'm like, okay, I'll just try out for fun. So just one fine day when he was doing his masters, uh, in 2016. Yeah. Then he was like, "Do you want to try pottery with me?" <laughs> it's so like, casual, so cool. Yeah, so yeah. I was, I wasn't very keen on because I know I'm not really artistically inclined. So I'm like, okay, let's try the one day one. So we went mm. for a one day trial. I'm not sure if that was your first time. That was your second uh, time for the wheel itself. It was my first time. Okay, yeah. So uh, the, he he meant the electric wheel. The potter's wheel, the the one. Is it that, all electric? No, or uh, no, some of them. Yeah. There's a lot of types of okay. way of forming. So yeah. the ones that I did at Dragon Kiln was just they give you a slab of clay, you just mold anything you want out of it. And for mine was a mushroom. 
which they lost <laughs> during firing. So I was pretty sad for so my first piece. So it's like a piece. manual wheel, not electric. Yes. Yeah. Were you supposed to make a cup and you made a mushroom? <laughs> or? Uh, no, they can make, basically make anything. So people were like making elephants, making giraffes. Like sculptures. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sculptures. Yeah. So there wasn't even a wheel at all. Yeah. It's just yeah. probably using your hands, okay. working for hands. Your, your answer kind of threw me off a little bit because I was expecting something like, oh, I made a pot. Yeah. <laughs> a mushroom. Okay, okay. Which he lost. Yes. <laughs> which Maybe intentionally. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, so um, he was like, let's try the one day. So in all pottery studios, they usually have a one day trial where mm. you just go in, you try it out. If you like it, you can sign up for like the courses. Yep. So he kind of dragged me to my first uh, pottery <laughs> session. I mean, okay. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty adventurous. I'm willing to try it, but I know myself that I don't have the the patience for such slow craft because I'm a typical like fast-paced Singaporean. Yep. <laughs> yeah. We are very opposite of each other yep. if you realise. Yeah. So, so what was the experience like you coming from not just a science background but mm. from a background where I guess at that point in time you weren't exposed to anything of the, mm. the, the, the creative side and the craft side mm. and you uh, I guess being willing and open to, to just go for this first initial workshop. Yeah. What did it trigger in you or did, did, did your perception of yourself change a little bit? Mm, okay, I mean, I would say, I mean, that that trial experience was kind of a really short experience, like one and a mm. half hours to two hours. So yep. that nothing really changed much mm. in me. It was just more of like, oh, okay, so this is how it works. This is how a pottery studio is being run. Just something, just an eye-opening experience on a weekend for me. So honestly, it was just, okay, just accompanying my boyfriend out yep. kind of a day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then, so so the funny thing was at the end of the, the that one day trial, we decided to have lunch. It was in the morning. So after the class was lunch, Lunch. So we went to have lunch like nearby mm. at the cafe and we're sitting down having lunch and then Ellen was like, do you want to sign up for the course? <laughs> wow, like, that's how he gets you yeah, in. Wow, it's perfect. He, he, he pulls me along <laughs> yeah, like yeah, inch yeah. by inch. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, no. So apparently if you sign up for the course on the same day of the trial, you get a discount. Fair. So he was really willing to, to do that like, because yep. he obviously has an interest interest in it. Yep. For me, it took me, I think he was trying to convince for almost two hours. We were at a cafe for two hours, eating lunch, and he was just talking and talking and telling me why pottery is so fun That's and so good. That's a brilliant picture. Yeah. Like two hours. Yeah. <laughs> but was it in Cafe Melba? Yeah, it was at Cafe Melba. So uh, the first studio we went to was actually at uh, Goodman Ceramics Studio ah. at Cafe, uh, and the nearby cafe was Cafe Melba where we yeah. had the lunch and yep. then we spent nearly two hours there and then by the end of the lunch, I'm like, okay, I just signed up just to get you to stop talking. Seriously. <laughs> wow. It's <Yeah. laughs> brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant salesperson. <laughs> yeah. So we, we signed up for it and then it was a 10 week course. Okay. Yeah. So, um, he he was very diligent. Like he went for all the classes, and I for me I was just like the lazy one. And Fair. Like, yeah, I I missed a couple of classes. So my interest and my passion wasn't really there yet. Yep. And for me, it only it only became like a little bit more serious when when he realized that he was taking this hobby pretty seriously, and like okay. I wanted to to put in time and effort to help him out as well. Yep. Yeah. So for me, it was really just like a a a, a passing like yep. activity for me yeah. initially. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so going back to what she said, um, y'all went for the the, the two hour thing. Yeah. Then y'all went after much persuasion from you, y'all went for the course. <laughs> and she mentioned that at a certain point in time, you became a lot more diligent. Could mm. you ex could you speak to that a little bit? What changed or what? What was it about the course or you doing the craft itself that changed or that shifted that perception? Yeah. Yes. Uh, so what what actually uh, uh, clicked is when I first did the pottery wheel versus what I saw online, the, the expectations and reality kind of like met halfway. So what do you see online? Uh, what I saw online was how, how the pottery or 
any videos that we can see online, how they actually form, how they throw. Throw throwing means forming the, the pot uh, on the wheel, wheel itself while it's turning. It's a very counterintuitive word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, a lot of people- yeah, uh, Nobody thing, understands why, why it's called throwing. throwing. <laughs> okay, so when the wheel is turning, yeah. I imagine it's turning uh, anti-clockwise for right-handers, okay? Fair. So it's turning and Fair. your right hand is on the wheel and on the clay itself. Fair. So the clay is constantly slipping out of your hands. Fair. So that action that your clay is going out of your fingers, it's throwing outwards. Rather than that's on the other side, yeah. yeah, that's a reach. Yeah, yeah that's a reach because it's your, your your fingers are actually supposed to let the clay go out. Yeah, yep. So it's throwing like throwing a baseball or throwing a ball. Oh, so it's kind right, of that right. kind of that action. Yep. Kind of links back to this uh, wheel throwing kind of an idea. So if it was turning idea. clockwise, it won't be yeah. throwing. If it's it was turning, receiving. receiving. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> it's it throwing for real? Yeah. yeah. So it's, <laughs> I, as far as I like, I remember one of my teachers told me, but I can't remember who. Yep. So uh, that was the rationale behind this. So, which kind of eventually kind of kind of got it makes sense. Then when I explained to people, they were, they were like, "Oh, okay, okay, okay." That the one that is called wheel throwing. Yep. Um, <laughs> yes. So kind of back to reality versus um, kind of met met the expectation. I wanted to develop more. Eventually, I could reach that level. So it's kind of this idea that got me into it because um, I've seen a lot of pots, a lot of videos online. Wow, they do the way they do the pots, it seems so easy, mm. which I want to kind of pursue this line to the point that I wanted to reach that level, which I'm able to do it in such a, such a way that it's impressive to my, even to myself, something yeah. that I won't challenge. When you say pots, yeah. are you talking about the life-size ones? The life-size ones, yes, not mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. And, 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 and you wanted to, 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 to create those life-size pots. Correct. And okay. also, I want to hone a skill uh, because right now, I I mean, after, at the point of time, I felt uh, graphic design will eventually be replaced uh, with digital advertisements and all, and prints will be out of the way. Uh, and I was more or less trained in the prints um, and then we slowly had to evolve into a digital site. Mm. Yeah, I kind of feel it, it's really a rat race that mm. I could never reach. So why not just hone a craft that I, I'm really passionate about and then just stick to it? Yep. Yeah, so right now it's more of a sticking to it and join the marathon rather than um, joining the red race that is happening all, all over the world mm. itself, yeah. So I, I for one, know nothing about pottery. Uh, the <laughs> only idea I have about pottery is you can make cups with it. Yes. But what I've noticed about the videos I've seen, mm. it's oftentimes the discussion of pottery comes up, You these two words come up with it as well. It's like tradition and culture. And usually the, the potter doing it is quite old. Yeah, yes, <laughs> that yeah, is yeah, true. Yeah. Has that ever occurred to you that you, because it feels like um, someone has to sink an enormous amount of hours and time and basically their whole life to, to actually perfect what perhaps the average person might not see. Mm. Has, has, is, is, is that something that yeah, you have thought about and is, is something that you want to like dedicate fully and stuff? Yes, so that is, um, you actually uh, said what I wanted to say also, because the successful art artists that you see is usually very old, as you mentioned, yeah. and it's only after they die, their art becomes valuable. <laughs> yeah. So that's something that we, I, I have to admit that I won't see in my lifetime, mm -hmm. but eventually I hope to be able to reach that kind of uh, stage as well. Yep. And uh, yes, so when you are practicing itself, it's kind of, Con you're constantly reflecting on what what you're doing mm. so it being in the moment it's not really just a saying uh, as it is really because you have to be very conscious 
have to be attentive of what you are doing. Yep. Yeah. So have are you in tune with um we, we, let's talk about a local context. Are you in tune with the the traditional uh style of pottery in Singapore and the culture of pottery? Because uh, up at least for myself, uh, speaking from my perspective, only up until recently, uh, my idea of pottery is whatever you can get from Ikea. Mm. <laughs> so it's very, very like narrow. Mm. So I'm curious to know if you guys are uh, perhaps aware or even uh, in tune with, with the local potters and stuff like that. And is that even important? Like, that the culture and tradition in Singapore's like pottery history, yeah. Mm, in my perspective, I feel, yes, you, you have to have you have to be in context with certain things. So we, for, for us, we are pretty new. We are not really aware of any pot, local potters, say for some studios names, but mm. not the owners, owners themselves. Yep. Uh, for that, I think there's something that we can actually work on as mm. well, hopefully. Yep. Um, secondly is the culture of, of the pots that we see is usually very influenced, uh, in, in a very Japanese kind of style or Taiwanese. Is there a difference between uh, the two? Uh, Japanese, I would feel they prefer very wood ash kind of a texture, very rustic. Uh, some yeah. what is wood ash? Okay, <laughs> okay, sorry, uh, sorry it, for the it sorry looks very for rugged. the uh, so yeah. the textures uh, look so like very coarse, yeah. like, very coarse, okay. a lot of lines, a lot okay. of yeah. rough textures. And on usually the like dark undertones, kind of colors, yeah, and yeah. earthy colors. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. those are, are kind of like um, what I seen in wood firing as well. So which is why the dragon kilns produce such uh, beautiful pieces that. Looks very organic. So why wood firing is very uh, uh, unique is because the site that is facing the fire, the glazes on the surface will actually melt more than on the other side. So there's, there's this uh, organic sense to every piece that is fired from that kiln. Yep. As opposed to modern times where we are using electric kiln, something like your oven that you use at home. So it's very uh, uniform. Uniform in firing, okay. like the ones you find in Ikea. Fair. Yes. Fair. Wow. Oh. The whole thing is white. The whole thing is matte. The whole thing just doesn't okay. have any uh, glazes flowing. Doesn't yep. have any There's no flaws. character, basically. <laughs> Char- okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. That's the, I mean, yeah, that's correct. The that's the yeah. word. Yes. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's interesting you mentioned it because if one isn't as uh, aware or even in tune that there's this, uh, with, with, with the knowledge that you just mentioned, I would mm. assume that it is normal for things to be that uniformed. Yeah, I, it has never occurred to me that uh, if you do it with the traditional kiln and mm. like the, the the fire one you were talking about, it will be uneven. Which yes. thinking about this, I'm, I guess it makes sense. Mm. It never occurred to me like those that you find in Ikea are like more mass manufactured, it's like electric one. Mm. Yes, but being in Singapore, I don't suppose you can have a lot of like wood fire <laughs> yeah. kiln, right? Yes, most <laughs> of the time these pieces are not really meant to be like functionally used because Functional. if okay. the texture is so rough, if you put your mouth against it, it's going to be really uncomfortable to use it on an everyday basis. Mm. So for me personally, I feel all these different um textures and techniques like the wood firing, right? It's meant for a, a more decorative, like it just adds a character to your house, yeah. especially if you are at bit like, like you, you have an interest in ceramics and in pottery, you'll definitely appreciate these kind of pieces. And these are usually one of a kind pieces because every firing gives a different effect or gives a different piece. Mm, yeah, it's character. not like a, yeah, correct, and character. So it's not like Ikea, you want 10 of the same, oh no, no problem, you know, those are more for like functional day-to-day kind of use. Mm. Yeah, so that that kind of sets sets the tone and sets 
two different groups of people apart. The one that just want to use it for functional daily lives and the one who wants to add character or like elements to their houses. Yeah. Out of curiosity, is it blasphemous for a porter to buy stuff from Ikea? <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. Okay. <laughs> uh, for, for, me, for, for us, we feel yes. Fair. <laughs> That's all I wanted to know. <laughs> because I feel the pots in IKEA is also man-made. It's just that the man oh? is removed from, from the equation. Studios are romanticizing the whole idea of pottery. So there is still humans or it's still handmade for the IKEA ones. Yep. It's just that um, you don't see them taking videos of what, mm-hmm. what they are doing every piece. Mm-hmm. They it's are like just mess, la, basically. Correct. So they have people just operating the machines, throwing a slab of, of, of clay into a plaster bed yep. or a bowl. Yep. They just uh, press this machine and then it automatically makes a perfect bowl out of that bowl. Or they can use like- That's pressure- also very fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so they use pressure slips and yep. then just shoot it inside, inside this plaster mold and wait for it to dry. Then they just take out one perfect piece. So unless, it, I mean, Ikea says that it's made in like, um, uh, in Africa, I think. Okay. Some of the uh, wares, uh, ceramic wares are made there. Yeah. So that could be the man, the man-made side mm. of it. Yeah. But I still men operating the machines, just that they don't use the potter's wheel, they use machineries. Interesting. Mm. So going back to what you uh, mentioned about going through the 10-week the course, mm. what were the results of it? Did it equip you with... I don't know. Are there even like foundations <laughs> in, in pottery? I think he realized that he rather just teach himself at home. Oh, <laughs> so that's, why, the, why is that's, that? next, yeah. that's where the next part of our conversation is going to go. Yeah, why is <laughs> so that? He realized that I'm just going to teach myself at home. <laughs> uh, because after the 10 weeks, I actually signed up for another 10 weeks. Just uh, 20 weeks in total. 20 weeks I in total. I stopped at the 10 weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. No, the like, six, the seven is less than I, me. I, I didn't even finish the 10 weeks. <laughs> I think I stopped at the seven or eight. You're supporting from the sidelines. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah. you go ahead. <laughs> but to be fair, her work, her job is starting already. So her very first job after she graduated oh, that yes, year. Oh, yes, yes, correct. So she couldn't continue because of yeah, her, yeah. her, her five and a half day my, work week. My 10 week was mm. right smack in the middle of this. I was starting my first job. Yeah. I, was, I just graduated from NTU in 2016. Yeah. yeah, so I had to go to work so I had no time for, <laughs> for pottery. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So why, okay, why the additional 10 weeks and what what made you think that you would rather teach yourself then? Yeah. Uh, okay, so for the first question, why another 10 weeks is because I feel like I still have more to learn. Okay. And and to cement my at least my basics to just get myself uh started off that track first. And after that, it's it's pretty much um uh, the 20 hours that was given to us. I just head down to the studio and I'll just watch videos and then just learn from the videos itself. Like you different down techniques. to the studio to watch videos <laughs> to learn from Yes. Okay. Because it's pretty much of a self-practice kind of an idea. Um actually it's 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 good because some people works better this way, I feel. Yep. Uh, yep. So in, uh, independent learning would kind of encourage creativity and also your own initiative. Yep. So that was what I have uh, wanted, which is another 10 weeks to cement my basics. And from the basics, I know uh, if I want to make this shape, I just apply my basics and then just do do my express my creativity from there. Yep. So the extra 10 weeks helped. And then afterwards, that's where the decision for our next conversation um, will come into buy my very first wheel, buy my very first kiln and also all the other stuff that comes along with it, which is what we mentioned um, earlier. It's a kind of kind of an expensive hobby that you have to sink in. A lot of hours, a lot of costs yep. uh, as well. So yes. uh, before we move on to that, um, hmm. I want to know your opinion. What do you think are like the foundational basics that you look out for uh, having gone through, let's say about, this makes it the fifth year or so of, yes. of, of doing this pottery thing? What, in your opinion, are like the foundational uh, 
key elements that you look at or you look for in like someone's piece or something like that? Okay, so for a very beginner, um, the expectations will be just to remember the steps. <laughs> very basic. Because that on your own, yes. on its own is a challenge. What, okay, what do you mean by remember the steps? <laughs> okay, so uh, I mean for I'm not sure for other studios, but yep. for us, we we'll always break it down into three simple steps. Mm. But you know, sometimes questions will arise between one A, one B, one C kind of okay, thing. Okay. So you'll be, I will usually tell them, okay, centering, opening, and finally pull your uh clay up. So three different okay. steps, very simple. But in between, there's a lot of gestures, a lot of hand movements that you have to take note of. For example, you have to keep your hands together, keep your hand, elbows uh, grounded on your legs, only move uh, your uh, the movement, your elbows downwards. Okay. Yeah, so they don't, don't flail around a lot because you are working on a moving part. So that moving part, we can to throw your hands off balance, then in turn, uh, okay, we'll throw okay, okay. the clay off balance. Yep, yep. Yeah, so just remembering that and all these little extra steps that comes with the first step is already a challenge. So which is why it's kind of like easing, Have to you have to ease into it eventually. Yep. Yeah, so that is where my second 10, 10 weeks come into play to cement this basic. Yep. Yeah, when there's still help around. Okay, so... Uh, second, after the first step where, okay, centering everything, yep. make sure your clay is rotationally symmetrical. You have to make that hole in the middle without breaking through the hole. So basically, you're making so like a very opening? short. Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, make a, you have to make a cylinder. Yeah. Uh, a very short cylinder. And then from the, sec the second step, you pull that short cylinder up to its height, to whichever height you want. Yep. So it is about these three steps that uh, requires remembering because usually by the time I finish my demonstration, for example, people are just like, so what? Uh, what, is, what is the first step? Uh? <laughs> yeah, so three, three steps. I mean, I know the human brain can memorize maybe <laughs> up to six numbers or, or four or five numbers. That's a limit. Yep, yep. Yeah. So this is something that the practice comes in. Is it yeah. very linear? Like you do step one, then you move on to step two and you end in step three. You don't revert back to step one again. Okay, maybe you do a little bit, but yes. in a sense, in the grander scheme, it's you're moving forward. La. Yes. Okay, okay. So eventually, once you master the three steps already or you can mem memorize them, it's about spotting the different mistakes that they might come along the way. Okay. Yeah, so that's the second layer that where we come about and how to fix your mistake. So I realized eventually, once you get to a certain stage, you have to learn how to fix your own mistakes. Okay. Yes. So that is the also another challenging part, another curve to yep. to overcome. Yep. Mm. Is clay a very frustrating medium? <laughs> it's like yes. a like a six year old child. <laughs> that you're throwing. That's yeah. a very good analogy. Yes, they, they're throwing. <laughs> Only we could throw. Okay. Yeah. So it yeah. is frustrating. It is frustrating. Yes. Okay. So um, so it's frustrating. Uh, for for in the beginners' eyes, because the clay sometimes just do not listen to you. <laughs> they, you explain that? Okay, so sometimes if they wash your clay properly, but once they start working on it, it just does not center no matter how much you try. So for the same bar of clay, I've seen uh, a beginner, uh, I mean, I was a beginner as well. Mm. The clay will just toss, tussle that, that, that beginner's hand. So he, he, he was actually jerking along with the clay. Yep, yep. And then I could see that his face was like very very frustrated and almost giving up already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I can see the his 
gyrating on the spot. Yeah, <laughs> so it, that was a that was a scene that I could never forget. So he's gyrating furiously on the spot, and then there was this wet uh, flapping sound like a fish hitting on the table, <laughs> flopping around, uh, like piak, 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 yeah, that yeah, sound. Yeah. So so he's like shaking, and then I hear that sound. So that kind of like. Uh, uh, <laughs> kind of, kind of, kind of made me want to, and enforce this this uh, uh three three step rule for people to remember properly so that they don't burn out that quickly. Yep, yep, yeah. Because it seems, yeah. <laughs> I would imagine for someone who has never approached or even touched clay before, mm. having it, because I have went through like the the dragon clay uh, mm. class before and. Mm. The, the steps are easy, but I think it's 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 very unnatural in a sense where if, if you've never touched it before, it being on the wheel being wet, you have to shape it and all. And using yes. your fingers, it's, it's very tactile in a sense. And yeah. tiring, yes. Tiring? Yes. Does it feel tiring for you? Mm, I think it is more... Of strength speculation? After a while, I decided to throw perfection out of the window <laughs> and whatever came out, I'm okay with it. I, I, I That's said. what every student says. Yes. <laughs> yes. They say, okay, look decent, looks okay, can't really. Yeah. So, so, yeah. What, so what, what have you noticed um, that, that is common uh, within the, the, the people or the students that, that come and, and learn from you guys? Is, is there any common uh, patterns that you've noticed? Yes. So uh, one would be trying to remember the steps but I couldn't. Mm. Uh, second, second would be, uh, just giving up totally means they will just sm uh, smash all their clay all together and then just redo again. So what I will see is their clay getting smaller and smaller and smaller from there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that is where the second thing that I saw very, very common among students as well yeah. among the participants. Yeah, then uh, I will just like go back and just stay safe in front of them so that they won't feel so frustrated. Yep. Yeah, but because this um this hobby as or this activity requires a lot of um I, I would I would say not patience patience it's what everybody say but it actually takes more of a grit mental in that sense fortitude. and mental <laughs> and mental fortitude. Yeah. So, so, so what what in your opinion is the difference between grit and patience? <laughs> okay, patience is more of like okay you can keep telling the same thing like a broken record, but the grit brings in more of trying to solve the problem continuously and actively. Okay. Meaning you, you met this problem once, you go back, you come back again and do it again and not give up. Patience is, okay, that three hours, you just have to be, just not have to work up your emotions, you just mm. work it objectively. That is patience. Yep. I mean, it, 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 in my opinion, yeah. uh, in, in terms of grid-wise, it's more about it's bite, more biting through. Yeah. Correct. Aggressive and then aggressive. revisiting the same problem again and again until you finally find find a solution. Mm. Yes, so I think that is the difference. Is, is, is this particular train of thought or this these mindsets is it evident to people perhaps taking a course up with you guys or learning for the first time with you guys or is it something that hopefully one would figure out along the way? Uh, yeah, I I believe we've had a couple of students who, who showed a lot of potential in in that aspect. Like they like. Okay, like what Ellen always says, pottery is not some natural, it's not, not a talent that you're born with. Everybody can do it. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Everybody can do it. It's just a matter of your perseverance and, and grit. Lah. So anybody that has, has the time, the commitment, want to put in the effort can do it. And 
we've only had this studio for about a year and a half mm. and we already have seen a few students with that much potential and they came to us starting at ground zero. They came mm. to us with zero experience, never touched a piece of clay in their entire life before. And now, couple months later or maybe half a year later, you they're making like perfectly nice pots and they're like, they're like so proud of themselves. And we, I mean, that's the, that's the kind of um, results that we want to see, like, you know. And of course, not everybody has that kind of mental fortitude which which is fine because we know everybody has like their work and their mm -hmm. daily life so we i mean i think for us we just see this we just feel our satisfaction from having students like this that that just want to keep coming back every week twice thrice a week mm -hmm. and spend like three four hours three four hours three four hours each That's time commitment. yes it's yes. really a big commitment yeah. especially when they come after work and they are already so tired from work and some of them are working in really laborious or like advertising uh, work oh, no. <laughs> it's like they already get so much shit from their bosses and they've got to come in and just got to stare at the clay they just doesn't want to cooperate with them yes. yeah so it, it really gets we really have a lot of gratification seeing seeing them you know putting so much work yeah mm -hmm. so when in, in in preparation for this particular mm. conversation in, in researching and I guess watching videos on YouTube about pottery and stuff, it's interesting to consider like pottery has a very like nat natural and nature connotation to it. Like it's very closely tied to the environment. It's very closely tied to, I think, uh, going back to what you guys said about, I think mental fortitude and a bit of zenness because mm. I don't know if it's good to say, but <laughs> do you guys project the feelings onto the clay or do you guys what does it mean to actually listen to the clay? Because I keep hearing this saying when, when people are like mm. uh, masters of pottery talk about you have to listen to the clay and mm. let it tell you what it wants to do and mm. not what you want to do to it. So mm. could you guys speak to that or have, have, have you guys experienced anything like that when, when you guys are, are, are throwing and mm. stuff like that? Uh, let's hear what Sarah have to say for this. Because <laughs> she, yeah, she's, she's the one that has a lot of conversations with the clay. <laughs> Uh, during learning, <laughs> not during very positive conversations. Not, not very positive. Yes. Um, I mean, I get what potters are saying by saying that oh, you let the clay speak to you. So, I think the underlying message is don't rush the clay. Don't rush. Yeah. The so clay. Okay. okay. So maybe I didn't really introduce why I do. So I I I'm a partner with with Ellen, but I don't teach the the normal pottery that what Ellen is talking about. I teach the the mini ones, which is the one that we started off with. So. Um, I only can speak from that experience, yep. the miniature pottery. So I realize my students, the ones that are doing the, the mini pottery, they, they tend to rush the process. So I always tell them, take, take it easy. Don't, don't push it too far because it's like the more you agitate it, the worse it gets. So That's it's more of like just letting it go, <laughs> just letting the clay spin, just letting it go. Your hands just follow the clay and just kind of like see where you end up. So it's not really letting the clay speak to you, but it's more like don't 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 push it past its limits in a way. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> because clay clay has its limits as well. Oh, it does. It really clay does. Fatigue, yeah. Yeah. Clay, clay fatigue. fatigue. Yes. <laughs> like a new concept. Please, please explain that. Yes. So, uh, beginners will usually add a lot of water. I mean, uh, we watch videos. Wow, the um the potter actually add a lot of water, but uh, they didn't see through the whole process where they use gradually lesser and lesser and less to the point that where they reach step step three, which we mentioned, which is the pulling up, mm. they actually control the water very uh very little. So they really don't add water into the clay anymore. They want to keep it as firm as you can uh, from start to finish and not become like uh McFlurry ice cream where it's very oh. soft. <laughs> yeah, so we call it slip, but yeah. uh if it the texture is like ice cream, a melted yep. ice cream. Yep. Uh yeah, so that's clay fatigue. Mm. Yeah. So Yeah, so 
uh, we, I mean, it's quite hard to see clay fatigue on mini potty because it's really, really tiny piece of clay. But, but it does happen mm. where they kept on, you know, kind of kept on playing with the clay and then they add too much water and then it starts to like just melt away like, like ice cream. Like, so it does happen. So yeah, like I was mentioning, it's, it's not really about let, um, letting the clay speak to you, but it's more of, just um going the flow so <laughs> usually for beginners that's what I always tell because they tend to get very frustrated with themselves and it's very understandable because most of them have never tried it before mm. so they'll get frustrated with themselves get frustrated with the clay and now it's like, okay just calm down just relax like it's fine you just just work just work it and see where it brings you and if you like the shape then that's when you decide the direction that you're going mm. yeah because sometimes you don't really know you like it until it kind of pops up and appear on the wheel. Mm. You're like, oh, actually, I kind of like this shape. But you never, never actually thought about it when you first started the class. Because usually at the start of class, I'll tell them, oh, I uh, have a couple of shapes in mind. And the people tend to go for the very like uh, geometric kind of shape or like the very basic kind of shape, like, uh, like a butt vase, that kind. So it's like, sometimes you intend to go that way, but it doesn't go that way. And the clay will bring you to another direction. So I always tell them, just go with the flow. If, if you if you really cannot, like whatever shape comes out, I'll just help you out. Something like that, like, you know? So it's, yeah, that's, that's my experience from letting the clay work for you rather yep. than like you push the clay to yep. its limits because forcing it sometimes doesn't really mm. work. Yeah, and clay is very tenacious and yes. like I say, it's a six-year-old kid. Like, it really doesn't listen to you at all. <laughs> yeah, I really yeah. feel like we're talking about uh, yeah. a human now. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. many like human uh, qualities to yes, it. Yes, yes, yeah. So what yeah. about you, Alan? Yeah. Yes, so uh, like what I mentioned, what Sarah mentioned is you, it's kind of like starting with a clay and letting the wheel do the job for you because that is something uh that a lot of people misunderstand because some of them may may not have experienced clay or on the wheel before they would try to uh strong arm yeah. their way yeah. into the clay <laughs> strong arm correct using the f the fingers? using their own own strength. strength yes and that is uh, that not the way to move yeah. forward yes okay because okay. when the wheel is turning you already get the speed the speed force uh, sorry, TM check mangas. <laughs> okay. uh, you yep. need to use the centrifugal force yep. and also the speed yep. to help you uh, kind of set the clay in space in, in the place itself. Mm. So for example, when the wheel is turning, it cannot be too slow. Too slow, your strength will kind of uh overcome that 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 momentum that yep. you need. Yep. So you push it off center. Yep. Too fast, it will be shaking very violently, and your arms, if it's not um uh, uh grounded properly, it will still shake a lot and mm. will not center. So you have to find the right amount of speed. Yep. So that's one. Secondly is they, um, they tend to make the mistake of gripping the clay too hard. So once again, using their own strength to work the clay rather than flowing with the clay. Yep. So they actually supposed to press their fingers down on the side and just like blend the clay off and make the clay smooth because they forgot the important factor, the wheel is doing all the job. So we don't have to tire ourselves out. And that's the reason why kick wheels uh, eventually evolve into mechanical wheels, yep. uh, which electric powered rather than leg powered. Is but there like course, a divide between uh, people sticking <clears> to the <throat> traditional like kick wheels uh, versus the electric ones? It gives you like a different product or a different feel. Is there like a divide between mm, those two? No, I wouldn't okay. say. It's, uh, ultimately, it's the product itself. So the end justifies the means. Yep. Um, but I'm not too sure whether there are there purists out there. Uh, but some people would prefer kick wheel is because of the momentum it generates is pretty much consistent. Is it? More consistent because okay. it's actually pivots on a very heavy block of maybe stone. Yep. Then you just take a stick or this leg to kick. So it spins really fast. So they can make multiple ones very quickly. Mm. But uh, the mechanical ones also can do the same. Yep. Just that it's limited by the horsepower and also um, 
how much weight it can hold. Yep. Yeah. So that's the quality of the machine. So back to going with the flow. Yes. Uh, once once the clay center already, you roughly know what to see or what to carve out there. So, uh, so it's kind of similar to what Michelangelo is doing. Um, trying to, uh break out this statue from a slab of marble. So yep. it's the same thing as what I feel when we are working with clay. So the students will actually start with cylinders. That's why I tell them all. Because cylinder is kind of like the pro uh, proverbial yep. marble. Yep. So from a cylinder, you can actually make every shape from there because we mm -hmm. want okay. to distribute yep. the clay evenly. Yep. So once your foundations is right, that is all the foundations. Then you can literally make any shape you want. Literally any shape. Literally, yes, literally, literally any, shape. any shape. Yeah. <laughs> Emphasis on the literally. Yes, literally. Yeah. But, so yeah. okay. When 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 you guys create like you individually when your pot is it your pot throw when you throw the, the clay and you all want to create something do you have like a very clear vision of what you guys want meaning oh I want to make a vase and I want the vase to be like a like a slim top and like a big bottom and stuff like that and you all go to the 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 wheel and you all throw that. Is that what you guys do? Or y'all take the clay, see whatever has happened during the day, <laughs> sit down with it and move along with it. What What is the process? Because I think the process is the most fascinating to me because mm. I really don't know what is the, the time spent to, to create something. Like, is it like an hour? Is it like three hours? Like, it feels like it could take three hours because it is a lot more than just or do step one, two, three. I feel it's a lot of going back and forth yes. and I guess feeling it out. Yeah. Could you speak to both of your individual like potting, throwing processes? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> potting. pottering, pottering. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what's up? Mm, okay, so um, for me, I'll I'll be just coming from like a mini pottery experience because I I have the most I have the most opinion about that. So for mini pottery, definitely I will definitely have a shape in mind. Like okay, uh, roughly it's like round bottom, narrow narrow neck. Okay, I will definitely have that shape in mind. But I realize it doesn't always go that way. Even though I've been doing this for about two years. Mm. I mean, my experience on the mini pottery wheel is about two years plus. So even though I have that much experience, I really don't get all the shapes that I want to do. Or so it's not perfect. Correct. Okay. It's definitely not the shape in mind because it's it's really on how temperamental that piece of clay is. Because even every ball of clay is different. Yep. Because me. of the elements. Correct. Right? Yeah. Yep. Like yep. They all come from that same block of clay because mm. the mini pottery one uses, I use about uh, less than 50 grams of clay, which is really small. So it all comes from the same block of clay and they, they were all wedged and taken out at the same time. But somehow they all have different different temperaments. <laughs> yep, so yeah, so it really, it really, I mean, I wouldn't call it luck, but it's more of like how your hand movements are going at that particular point in time. So definitely I have a shape in mind mm. and I do usually achieve roughly that kind of shape mm. but it's the for me i feel it's the little details that makes the difference mm. what do yeah. you mean by that so like refining the the silhouette of the shape refining the lip or the rim or mm -hmm. the neck of the pot which is very which makes each pot unique la. so like i mentioned you may not like it at the beginning but as you move along the process then that's when like oh okay i kind of like it like that let's shape it this way or let's turn it out this way or, you know, let's trim it off and it becomes thinner or more mm -hmm. narrow. So at the end of the day, you definitely don't get the pot that I initially wanted to, but it becomes it becomes a little bit more sentimental because to me, it's like, oh, okay, I really put a lot of effort to make it look this nice, you know? And yeah, for, for me, I think that that's my experience like, with the mini pottery. Yeah. Do you foresee yourself going to like, is it the adult pottery? The, 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 the bigger pottery? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The upsize pottery. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like I want to because definitely this is... um 
Ellen's business and mm. I, I'm definitely in it for the long run. And I, I mean, it doesn't make sense if I'm in it and I don't try the big one, right? So um, I would definitely want to, but right now, because I have my own full-time job as well. So it's like I mentioned, commitment and time is something that pottery really asks of you. Mm. And if you don't have it, there's no way you will ever yeah. <laughs> perfect it. Mm. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it definitely in the near future, I will try to get back into the adult pottery and yeah. Hopefully, hon my skills in that area. I mean, it's going to be easier because I already <laughs> have the is foundation. Is it transferable? Yes, because okay. I already have the foundation there. So it's like Ellen was going through with me that day. He mentioned, oh my God, Sarah, you're like so easy to teach. He <laughs> 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 was like, oh my God, it's so much easier to teach someone with like foundations. Yeah, which definitely true la, because you already know, your body already knows what to do. It's because mm. it's I've been through the 10 week the seven week course for me. <laughs> seven, <laughs> the seven, seven week course, I have my yeah. own course, special course. I've already been through that. So I already know what is required of my body, my upper body. Mm. Yeah. So that, that really makes a lot of difference. Uh. Mm. But is it, it, it sounds to me like uh, there are maybe like X number of things to learn in the beginning mm. and you take that and you run with it. Mm, and correct. Not that you don't have to revisit it, you mm. have to re remind yourself, but there isn't really much to actually learn from. Correct, it's correct. only those things and you explore. Yes, it's 5% foundation, 95% experimentation. Yes. But yeah. it's the experimentation is yeah. where it will separate the actual ones who really want to invest mm. time in it or want to keep it as a hobby yeah. and stuff like that. You can mm. see it from their pots. <laughs> That's, you what can, do you mean by that? Just look at their pots, you can tell if they really put in the effort to to hone their craft and hone their their their, how to say, their dexterity when it comes to making, like like the thinner it is, for, for pottery, the thinner it is, it really shows your craftsmanship. Uh. The thinner it is. Mm. The thinness of the pot. The like the, of walls. The, the walls. For example, a teacup, mm. uh, the lips are very thin. Mm. So that kind of thinness really demands a lot from a potter. So it's, it requires a potter to handle it from start to finish without breaking it. Yes. Or chipping. <laughs> oh, because or, the thinner yeah. you go, it's easier to break. Yes, but okay, especially okay. when it's dry, it's very brittle. Yep. Yes, so that kind of For teaches us- For to survive us. the whole process. Mm. And the whole process can take up to a month. Not not, not a month of throwing, right? No, no, there no. is Just still the, the firing and yeah. stuff like mm. that. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. So for our students, we definitely mm. can tell those that really, really put in the amount of effort by just by looking at the pots. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So what about you, Alan? How, how has the journey of improving your craft been for you? Like- do you feel like you're better off four years ago, five years ago? And what does it look like, I guess, in, in the next two years or so? Uh, so uh, right now, I feel like I've come a long way. Definitely. I mean, be it hard or difficult or easy. I'm definitely better than than the last. Because for pottery itself, it's a always a constant improvement from before. Yes. So I would say I'm better off now uh, than four or five years ago. Then... Um, Usually when, when we kind of start, start this, start a new piece of clay, for example. So back to, um, the earlier on the, where the process is, uh, we usually start with the shape, but the shape kind of can bring us somewhere else, which is nicer. While you're doing the throwing. Correct. Okay. So usually we start with a plan, but that plan ultimately don't work out because we will work out another shape or another plan. But are there instances yes. where, you really, really want to create this shape for a particular mm. purpose, but it's not getting there. And that's where the yeah. the the, men, the mentality will come in, yes, right? Yes. yes. So it, it does happen. Yeah. So that, yeah. uh, recently we we are working on, oh no, uh, I think it was last year, we were working on this uh, teacups for this restaurant. Okay. So uh, the restaurant actually wanted two colors, three colors marble 
marbling design, which is blue, black, and white. Oh, interesting. Okay. Correct. So, uh, working with that clay, because it's porcelain clay, so porcelain clay can be quite temperamental sometimes, especially when you add in uh, this kind of colored clay, they don't really gel very well. Mm. So, when you kind of start working with it, it gets a lot of bumpy, it gets a lot of, uh, a lot of uneven surfaces everywhere. So, the part that came out for the first batch was very uneven and and wasn't uniform. So, uh, so like what Sarah mentioned, uh, we'll just go with the flow and every ball of clay, just accept it for what it is. And just uh, at this point of time, we will just spot whatever mistake and then just work on that. Mm-hmm. For example, that this pot, it feels harder when you start with it. So definitely you need more water than that. So eventually each ball of clay will kind of have a method to it whenever you start because it's not a machine where uh, everything is go through a, a mill, everything yep. is wedged properly yep. because it's all handmade, hand wedged everything. So yep. things will be uneven sometimes. So uh, how we deal with that is we just accept that and then accept that every pot will be the same, mm. more or less the same, but not identical. So, uh, so that kind of okay. help us wrap our, ourselves around to rationalize like, okay, maybe this pot was slightly uh, softer when it started. So that's why it lost more clay yep. than the ones that is drier, for example. But yeah. would would a sense of perfection or even getting getting very close to, to to throwing or achieving that particular shape is that the goal of a potter to 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 achieve that shape that you have in mind or is it to to uh improve upon certain techniques and foundations i'm just curious to know what mm. does improvement look like for a potter like what what how 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 do you see that journey like is it like looking at different uh you 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 were saying previously about uh, looking at what you might do wrong here that you just improve, improve, mm. improve. So, yeah, is it like just achieving that shape you have in mind? Yeah. Yes, usually uh, a shape that we have in mind is uh, the process of going towards it mm. that we encounter all these uh, roadblocks. So that's where we will just, okay, just stop throwing for the day and then just go go on YouTube, find answers and all this. <laughs> uh, that, is, that is kind of like the cycle has been for us. Mm. And also at the same time, when when we are searching for answers and we couldn't find it, that's why we kind of work on other things first before going back to it. What do you mean by other things? Meaning working, making, uh, working with uh, other shapes, for example. Then once we do that shape, really, it kind of uh, disciplines us. Okay, maybe I learned something from here I can bring over to that shape. So for example, if you want to make from uh, a, a, a typical cup which is cylindrical shape, like a mm-hmm. cup holder, mm-hmm. like a pencil holder, then we want to ship it into a a vase for example yep so we'll use that method of making the shape okay just set the foundation right first and then just adjust the lip area or the top part where we make it smaller mm. so in a way we kind of preserve what we have learned from the other shape and bringing it or combining it to the face shape By okay so it changes closing, the way. it changes along the way so it becomes in a way, it's a variation of a cylinder rather yep. than making an actual vase itself. Yep, yep, yep. So it's all about a progression of um, shapes rather than just, okay, immediately you throw, you sure we get that shape. Yeah. Is there and a particular object or shape that is difficult for you right now? Um, let me think. Narrow <laughs> uh, Triangle? Is this triangle thing? Yeah. Narrow necks. I would say narrow neck would be a bit more challenging now. What is a uh, narrow neck? Be, meaning you see like, uh, a typical rounded bodied vase with a very thin and narrow like neck. Like a flute kind yes, of a, a fluted stem. Neck. Yeah. So it's, it's super thin. It's almost like a pencil 
with or can you, even smaller. How, how do you lift that if Correct. your fingers are like... <laughs> yeah, so some people actually use... It's something else. Uh, use yeah. Chinese brush or use, they use chopstick or use something very narrow just to support on the inside while they pull the that, that very tiny part up. Yep. And going back mm. to what you said, the, you can tell the skills of a potter yes. by the thinness, thinness of it. And yeah. for that, you need to put, I guess, at a considerable height as well because yes. it's a vase, right? Mm. Correct. Interesting. And also, um, the difference between the improvements of a potter is always about consistency. I mean, that's number one. Number two is about variations. Consistency meaning, let's say if like the... In, in a session, you make three, three look the same? Mm. Yes. yes. Oh, so we have actually like this T-shaped gauge, uh, which we use to measure our pots. So the lid, the lid area and the base from the inside uh, should be the same for all three, for example. And also some potters will go, will go by weight. Mm. So after they make bowls, I mean, this is more prominent in Japanese, Japanese yeah. uh, practice. So each bowl, let's say it's 260 grams. Every pot must be trimmed to 260 grams. So it's like a nightmare. <laughs> yes, that is the precision and perfection. It's impossible. <laughs> yeah, for us it's impossible because yeah. they probably train from young uh, yep. to, to where they are now. Yep. Uh, so that is kind of like the production uh, potter on that side. Yep. Mm. So we, we see ourselves as kind of a hobbyist, uh, kind mm. of a uh, jack of all trades. Mm. Yep. So any shape we want, we can uh, roughly emulate. But if you... If you think about the improvements wise, we would feel that consistency would be the ultimate gauge uh, to see how a potter progresses. Mm. Yeah, Basically how, do what a machine does. Like. Yes. <laughs> like, for example, yeah. it, yeah, so if you we want to make a vase, so if you can make three of the same or, or five of the same mm. in a session, yeah. then that we'll see we we'll see as improvement. So from the improvement, we will keep working on that till we can make maybe 20 of the same. Mm. So that is how the improvements will gradually increase over time. Yeah. Yeah. The general gist I've got throughout this conversation is that <laughs> it is most often the times it's not up to you, it's up to the, the actual material itself. So mm. going back to what you mentioned about uh, doing pottery for a professional setting, how do you explain that to the client where you're trying to get it similar, yeah. but there are so many things to consider because I, I believe even when you put it into the, the, the firing process, mm. things might crack, yes. unexpected things might happen. Yeah. I think the glaze might not turn out right. Yeah. And she was saying like, if it's too bumpy a little <laughs> yeah. bit, how 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 do you educate the client to 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 f- for them to even understand that this is not like a like a manufactured thing? This is this is a craft in a sense. You mm. you are you are actually purchasing the skill sets and the craft. It's not anything off the shelves. Mm. Was that difficult to 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 yeah. let them know? Yeah, I I would think any clients who approach a pottery studio for commission works, they will already have this baseline of understanding that their pieces will be one of a kind. And also they are ready to accept any flaws, but to the point that, I mean, as long as, long as it's not critically flawed to the point- Not like a hole. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like put a suit, let suit go through the time. Yeah, so what we educate them is telling them, okay, so maybe when we do, uh, how we do is we just make extras for you to, to account for a breakage. Uh, because wear and tear and also in the restaurant, yep. not just one person handles the wares. Yep. So in that sense, we kind of assure them. And then secondly is we will try to make uh, test hulls, for example, on colors that we have. Test what, sorry? Test hulls. So it's What's like yeah. uh, a little block of clay that we apply the glaze on it to let show them the final oh, colors. Oh, like swatches? Mm. Yes, color swatch. Yeah. Uh, like Pantone colors, yep, yep, <laughs> like graphic yep. design. Mm. Uh, so that is the color that it will turn out after firing in that particular clay that we are using for them. Yep. So mm. different clay will come out different colors. So we let, let them know, okay, if you want this brown clay or stoneware clay uh, with this color, sometimes the color will turn out darker than what you mm. intended. 
So uh, that that in a sense kind of assures the clients in that sense also uh, they will understand that each pot will have this kind of uh, differences, uh, subtle differences in them. Mm. Mm. Was it was it difficult in the beginning when you started getting uh, jobs of these kind? Was it mm. difficult to to uh, learn the language and even to tell them, oh, these are the things you have to look out for and stuff like that? Because yeah. as much as I like to be optimistic about clients mm. being understanding about the craft <laughs> side, I'm a little bit <laughs> cynical about that side. Yeah. yeah, so I just want to know what was the initial uh, start to 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 that like. Was it difficult? Like, did, was there a lot of like hiccups along the way that you have to solve? Because it's the, the, does it mean that right now? Because I can imagine that it's also very difficult to actually predict what what would the final outcome be for mm. yourself as well. As much as maybe like ninety to ninety five percent certain, there are still like maybe that five percent uncertainty. Like you put it inside, mm. you fire, you come out. It might be also different from 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 what you have in mind. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So so did did it take time for you to actually build up this uh, more of like the, the the business side of the 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 studio to even tell the clients, oh, these are the things to expect. Mm. Uh, we'll provide you extras, the swatches and stuff like that. Uh yes, actually, uh our experience actually came from this particular project that we had was this client wanted uh, a marble pot pink color and white color pink red and white was it easy when you all entered <laughs> the project uh, you think it was easy <laughs> <laughs> that was our first one is it that was our, that was second or third no I think our first one was at this art market yeah. this girl asked for one for a cappuccino cup no no the cactus the cactus pot Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah, was yeah. the very first commission. Did he block yeah. it out of his memory? <laughs> 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 okay. Just one piece. Yeah, just, just one piece. piece. Yeah. She okay. Just ordered yeah. one piece. Okay. That was that was our very very first commission, mm. like, like off the menu yep. project that we had to do. Yep. So she saw this color combination. So we were selling wares at a art market, and then she yep. saw the color combination was nice, but she didn't like the pot. Yep. The, she didn't like the shape and the size. She had a her own shape and size in mind, and mm. she wanted it to be a planter. So she wanted to put a cactus inside. Yeah. So we were like, okay, we don't have that right now at, at this art market, but uh, we are willing to do it for you. And then like, I think like we rest wakula last time. Like usually commission, you will like charge a little bit more because mm. you gotta take time and yep. effort to mm. plan and experiment. Yep. Then we we just like charge her oh very cheap, but like yep. <laughs> like one pot fifteen dollar. Yep. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that was like our first commission project, and then, uh, it was it didn't go exactly as planned because I think it turned out a little bit smaller. We're like, oh, okay, we should like you know take all these things into consideration, and then like the colors may not turn out the same and stuff. Like that. But she was very understanding. This girl, mm. yeah, when she came by to to the studio to pick up her pot, she was really understanding. Even though it was like a little bit smaller, but she really liked it because it's exactly the sh- the shape that she wanted, and the colors came out like, almost the same. You know, so that was actually a very good the like, first commission project experience la. yeah second <laughs> one was what what do you say the cappuccino is it yeah the cappuccino cup uh, the latte uh, cup mm. how was that uh, that one is from a cafe right yeah it's from a cafe yeah mm. for a cafe right for a cafe yeah, yeah so cafe. the the way the cup works is because it's meant to to drink craft coffees sure so the lips the client has a, has a very interesting request meaning the lip has to be thick so when you drink the coffee, it actually feels more full-bodied. Okay. okay yeah. Okay. So, uh, so we had to think like, so do we have to throw thicker um, the pot overall? Then wouldn't it make the pot relatively heavy? Mm-hmm. And it has to be, uh, sixty. Uh, sixty yeah. ml. Oh, that's very uh, specific. It, it can yeah. contain sixty ml. So, <laughs> so we like, oh had God. a hard time <laughs> trying to achieve that yeah. kind of uh, uh uh volume because clay shrinks, and even after we make. Uh, shrinkage rulers from the clay that we are working with 
the clay will still shrink very differently from one to another. So yeah. for example, the clay, the ruler itself is made 10 cm. So after firing, final firing everything, it shrinks to 8.9 cm or 9 cm. Mm. Okay, so we we'll know, okay, maybe you throw 1 cm more. Yep. But after firing, that's where the clay, I mean, the, the pot just somehow shrinks to the point that it is less, yep. less than what it is. Yep. Then it was around 55 ml. We couldn't even reach 60 ml. Then it was like rejected. Then we just brought it back and redo. So we redid around three to four rounds of it. Yeah. And to top it off, it was, um, she wanted the marbling design or the pattern to be at the bottom only. So the top to be white and the bottom to be marble. <laughs> so we were doing a lot of experiments uh, using colored clay. Okay, so to, to change the way we throw on the wheels, to stack the red color and the pink color yep, clay yep, at the bottom yep. and the white on top. Yeah. Yep. We tried that method. We tried dipping the wet clay uh, like in the liquid form to create the marbling effect, but it kind of gets peeled off. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't stick on the body. We try in different states of dryness as well. Uh, it still doesn't stick. So we also tried using a mold. So at that point of time, our slip casting molds or plaster mold wasn't very good. Our yep. skills at that. I mean, now we are still learning at making that. So that effect came out nice, but uh, the effects was, was still very raw in the mm -hmm. sense that it doesn't look professionally finished. So uh, we just keep telling her, okay, so we keep remaining to the point that you, uh, you are satisfied with it. And we didn't. We only took fifty percent of the payment. Yep, yep. As 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 a result, we yep. didn't take that hard because I feel like we didn't really achieve yeah. our target for yeah. them. So she that, was understanding, uh, though. Yeah, yeah she, she was very understanding yeah. in the sense. So, uh, eventually we delivered the pots to them. Then they are still After using it. Three four mm. rounds. Yeah, so three four <laughs> rounds. It, it, the whole project took almost like a year. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, because, she was very patient for her cups. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, because she was really patient we, uh, well, the top of our busy schedule, it's also making the pot take aside time and the materials. Definitely, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. I mean, pottery is not a very cost efficient yeah. um business, yeah. and not time if efficient a lot also. Of, lot of customization, uh. mm. So we kind of at the beginning we were very keen on doing customization because we really enjoyed that. But then slowly we start like veer away from it because we realized that it was taking out a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of resources, and, yep. and we are a we are a small studio trying to start out. We can't afford to put in that kind of resources. Yep. Yeah. Mm. So we, that's why now we are doing less. We still do, but we're doing much lesser now. Yeah. Like lesser quantity and the yes. scope. Yeah. So we're, we're a little bit more picky, I guess. So we'll <laughs> kind of look at the project, right. the requirements. We'll look at a timeline, first of all, and then we'll look at how much you need and, yep. and all that. Lah. Yeah. Mm. So we do reject some and we do take on some. Yeah. But in reflecting about that particular project, do you think you're you're better equipped to handle it now or would you do things differently? I, I mean, if that, in hindsight, I would yeah. say if I had the knowledge and also the the connections I have to for example to make for example the more uh and the skills, I would definitely take it on now. So it's different really like now Correct. if the same project were to come in, you can hit that off the park really. Yes. That was like two, three years ago. Right? Correct. It's mm. one, one of our first few projects. Mm. So uh right now moles can be made easily and we can just like make multiple ones out. Uh, with with the same amount, what the same size? Yeah, identical size actually. Mm. Yep. Yeah, and then the patterns that they want as well. So which is why what we are experimenting on now as well to mix multiple colors. Yep. Uh, to make that shape, so it creates more interesting and more defined colors as a result. Yep. Of it. Yep. Mm. So I'm curious to know how has Singapore influenced your artistry, slash being a potter. Mm. I guess we're not very patriotic. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, uh, um, in, uh, 
Okay, so I think this is something that things, we have this yeah. we have had like discussions about before. Yeah. Yeah. In regards to the Singapore uh pottery landscape mm. culture wise. Mm. We we do try to re- relate to, to it, but I think it's a bit hard because we realize that our taste and the direction of our craft and our art is very different from local potters or the local mm. art scene in Singapore. Could you explain what is the okay, what what in your definition would be the, the local potter landscape and how does it how does your, both of your visions of the craft differ from it? Okay, so mm. like um, I'm not sure if you've been to a lot of ceramic art markets in Singapore. <laughs> okay, so, Unfortunately. Yeah, okay, so, so sometimes if you go to an art market, they have a couple of ceramic stores around. So we, one, we've been to a lot and then, I mean, without fail, we'll definitely find a couple that is for, that has very organic, very rustic shapes. It doesn't look very uh, appealing okay. to us and it doesn't look like it, you're going to have a very nice drink out of it. Fair. That, that kind of vibe. So yep. when we were looking at it around, we're like, we can't really find things that we like, you know. So for us, our our what we like is clean, minimalistic, uh, lines, simple colors, solid colors. Mm. Uh, we do uh experiment with marbling, like what Ellen has mentioned. So those are those are the kind of shapes and and designs that we like. And mm. we realize Singapore's pottery scene is very towards the the Japanese, like what Ellen mentioned towards very the start rustic, of our, our conversation. Yeah. Mm. So uh, I mean, we try to relate as best as we can, but. I guess that is the Singapore style. Mm. Yeah, that it, we feel is very different from us. And I mean, no, no, I mean, no, no disrespect or whatever to mm. to the potters in Singapore, but that that has that is not something that that we can kind of you know uh, appeal towards, mm. Yeah. So I was maybe it's a little bit more Angmo-ish kind of oh, style. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, if you have seen mm. like um Western Westerners potteries, it's very it's it's very bright and like very colorful. <laughs> they like vibrant colors. Yeah. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I'm a layman and all the pots uh, look yes. the same to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they like con- contrasting, yeah, colors. contrasting colors. Yeah, yeah. complementary colors, which is what we like to do in our pots if you have seen the, the products on our website. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So for Alan, um, how has your, I guess your training in, in Viscom and graphic design, how has it helped your pottery? Has uh, it ever? Yes, it does. Uh, in terms of the branding wise, for example, when we were starting out, or oh, the studio, yeah, the studio <laughs> okay. itself, yes, <laughs> fair. Yeah. Um, we actually started out. Our, I mean, my personal account yep. is called Handful of Clay. Mm. So that kind of graphic design, the whole branding, kind of revolved around like a one man studio kind of process. So when we want to start start out Terra and Ember, we were brainstorming the the names out of it. So, uh, the names that come of it quite quite. Quite stupid. <laughs> Are you willing to share <laughs> the stupidity? Oh my god, it's like erased from my memory. Yeah. It's, so it's blocked up from my memory. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is there a specific uh, meaning I mean, or connotation yeah, to, to yeah. Terra and Ember? Yeah. Correct. So uh, Terra and Ember is actually coined by Sarah. <laughs> Something that I was totally uh, um, not thinking of. Mm. Then I was just, I, was just, yeah, I will design the logo. Mm. So the logo itself actually the T and the E combined to one to make the shape of the potter's view on the side view. So um, that is where the Viscom comes in mm. and also the collaterals like the t-shirt design, yep, the fonts, yep, everything. Yep, yep. Uh, all stems from what I had before the trainings. Yep. Yeah. So in a way, I kind of like design for myself, for myself. Fair. In that sense. And also when it comes to designing pots, I will know like the rule of thirds, for example, uh, in design sense, does it, um, we are designing for the people. Because design is all about making uh, things and items usable and accessible. Same goes for product designers. So I yep, would yep. say that um, 
even though I'm not product design trained, mm. I'm sure pretty much the design in itself is meant to to make things easier to access. Yeah. So it comes in in the sense of pot wise, in terms of cup wise, how it should be angled, mm. how it should interact with the human body. So mm. the Viscom side kind of helped me in that in that design perspective. Then uh, and also uh, the whole print side. Yep. Or, or the, the, the design side <laughs> of things. Yeah. Like like pottery is very interesting uh craft to to think about because uh, uh, let's say if we were to consider like pottery, uh painting, or even doing sculptures and mm. stuff like that, pottery is one born of function. You people used to make plates and cups to mm. use them and mm. they have it in their household. I was watching this video about uh I think a specific Japanese uh town where they tried to preserve the, the culture of pottery. So there's this, I think, big uh, pottery area is really old kiln that has mm. hundreds of years of history and they make pots and all the other stuff. And I think uh, the, the, the the restaurants and the villages around it, they buy the pottery and I think the, the, the restauranteurs, they would curate the food based on the, the types of pottery that they can buy. Mm. So do, do you think that's possible perhaps in the future where... In, in Singapore, do you, do you think the idea of it being more uh, closely related or there is like a, a stronger sense of, I think, belonging, not for the Singapore style pottery, but just a, a certain richness of the culture here? Do you think it's possible? <clears throat> uh, I would say the, the direction that I'm kind of ima- uh, envisioning would be the hawker's culture. Mm, because nowadays there's a lot of uh, younger startups, they're yep. actually taking up uh, apprenticeship under older hawkers mm-hmm. so I would say that synergy will eventually come to that sense where the, the ceramic mix uh, made by local uh, studios will kind of fit the hawker food that's interesting yeah that kind of thing so uh, it, it, in line with the Japanese town where the restaurants curate their food according to uh, to the the pots that they that they have access to I would yeah. say locally eventually it will kind of arrive at that point of uh, at that stage but uh, it's also about the question the, where the materials come from. Mm. Yeah, because uh, I think that's one of two potters that I've seen on Instagram locally. They actually use Singapore clay. What but is then, Singapore clay? Yeah, so they actually go construction <laughs> sites to dig up the clay from, from the earth and then they will process it and then use it uh, okay. to make their wares. Okay. So I find it, in a sense, it, it in, in itself or the notion of using Singapore clay is already a uh, uh, culture uh, 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 culture heritage in yeah, that yeah. sense so yeah is there a certain quality to Singapore clay that's different from the clay that I don't know you guys buy overseas or something like you all shipped it in like a huge yes. box of clay <laughs> like, um. I really don't know how uh, how the process is because at, at least from what I can find and research online some of the tools that uh, like the potters use are really unconventional and mm. it has to suit the, the, the potter's uh, physique and stuff like that. Like, it's very, like, oddly specific if you really want to pursue this as a craft, like, over decades. Yes. So, could you speak to the clay that, that you guys use? Is there, like, a... How many types of Singapore clay are there? Is there, like, 10? Or, like, is there <laughs> one? Or do you have to go to the ground and find it? Yeah. I think, how is it like? I think if you... If, if, well, any, any, if you want I, to... F- I feel any, like, 
earth can be clay. Yeah, <laughs> fair. <laughs> that's what I assume you can, as well. Like, dig your backyard and probably yeah, 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 clay yeah. as yeah. well. But yeah. that's the thing. Are we even allowed to, to yeah. dig the ground? But now, mm, but now yeah. we know that there is Singapore clay. Yes. Like, it is legal to dig the clay out and like, you know. Provided it's done by a construction company. Uh, okay. But, but yeah. do you have to do a bit of, let's say, processing Yes. To, to it to, to make it because I know that it has to have a certain I don't know is it viscosity or it has to have not a lot of air inside or moisture and stuff yes. like that so it's a lot of actually uh, science to mm. it you need to know yes. chemistry I, I, you, you, you can yeah. experiment with it but ultimately if you want to make a product let's say for consistency or like for mm. a class you need to be able to to nail it on the spot that it has to have this level of moisture this level of I don't know like air inside of it if not I don't think it will work, right? Because mm. if you fire it, it will crack yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, for Singapore clay-wise, I mean, I have, currently I'm experimenting with the bag. So it definitely feels very, it feels much stickier. Uh, and then much, much, contains much more stone inside. Mm. So I have to really kind of uh, slowly get rid of them. Say stones? Like stones, yes. <laughs> like pebbles, pebbles. pebbles so yes. you have to take it out before yeah. you can oh, of even course, throw it. You will, throw you will yes. injure yourself if you don't. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah, so... <laughs> We actually experimented with this clay that has a lot of sand in it. Uh, mm-hmm. They call it grog. Uh, That's a so, G R O G. Then it's, it really feels like your hands are grinding on the sandpaper. <laughs> oh, jeez. So, yeah, okay. like, at that point that I was still new. I didn't know. I thought it was normal because you have to really press your hands down very hard on the wheel yeah. to get stability. Yeah. So, at the end of the class, I could feel uh, the rawness and streaks of very fine lines on the back of my palm. It, okay. The side of my palm here, actually. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, those actually is the flesh being torn open at that point. So I guess it's now very, very seasoned. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. very okay. weathered. So <laughs> in, in particular, that that brand, uh, eventually I found out is Raku, Raku, uh, buff, stoneware. Raku buff. So Raku is actually a type of firing. It's a low temperature firing where they throw, um, the ware into. A, a, a kiln and then use gas to shoot the fire mm-hmm. to a thousand degrees yep. and then they take it out they put it in a bin and then they'll throw newspaper uh, branches everything just to douse out the fire so what okay. what, comes out, what, come, what comes out of it right is uh, the glaze itself will be very metallic very iridescent and then um, secondly is it's also uh, much more much more uh, fragile in comparison to high fire west yep uh, so that is Raku. Then um, buff buff Raku is the buff itself. I guess is a stone, which I'm not very sure what it was, what it mean. But that rough texture allows the clay to to vitrify at a lower temperature. Okay. To kind of melt better. Okay. Yeah, uh, as far as my knowledge brings me. Mm. So uh, that's what allows it to be chemically stable. I would say for the whole pot or structurally stable. Yep. Yeah, so in that sense, I still don't have that chemical knowledge mm-hmm. of how, what's happening inside of Graku firing. So yeah. that's roughly what I am guessing it's happening. Yeah, so which is why all the sands, all the silica, it's inside helping the clay to melt faster. So it is important yeah. to know the kind of clay that you work with mm. because mm. after that, then we realize that Buff Raku is actually not meant to be wheel thrown. It's meant to be hand built. So, okay. yeah, lesson learned. Skins are like coming off his yeah. head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because sand, uh, clay with more grog or sand actually holds up better when mm. you are uh, hand building and it also takes longer to dry. So, in that way, you have longer time to work with the clay as opposed to porcelain clay, for example. Everything inside is very fine. Uh, and it kind of makes it dry and soften up very quickly. And I so, assume the type of clay you use also informs the type of product you want to make? Yes. 
the or is it More all like transferable? the aesthetic of the all the aesthetics? Yeah. Mm. Okay, okay. So because uh, once you put a glaze over, right? Yes. it's kind of the same thing, really. Yes. What a do you glaze. Mean by that? Once you put the glaze over the clay body, it's all smooth and you know, like oh. a like glass. So yeah. Fair, yeah. fair. Mm. Is there a particular type of clay that you guys enjoy using? For me, it would be porcelain, porcelain clay. Is it very brittle? <laughs> like uh, it's the very name is porcelain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's is very it? soft. Uh, and you cannot use a lot of water. And it's particularly short. Short meaning uh, it's it it. it it doesn't hold up its form as well as the stoneware. So the stoneware actually has sand inside. So when you bend the clay, for example, you roll out just a, a long strip of clay. You bend it in half, it won't break in half. Whereas, okay. Uh, okay. whereas uh, compared to a porcelain clay, you roll it up. Sometimes it will just break in half. Sometimes. So it depends on what brand or what type of uh, clay you are working with. So terracotta is also another type of clay. Mm. So terracotta is basically a clay body that has a lot of iron uh, impurities in it. So which makes it turns out to be uh, reddish color after firing. Then for stoneware wise, it's very in colors. So it can be some some can come in black, some can can come in red, mm. brown, or slightly orangey after firing. And porcelain is usually pure white. So that is where uh, it is suitable for teawares, uh, bowls, cups, things that are more delicate. Yep. I would feel. Somewhere it's more rustic in a sense. I would imagine if you're using porcelain clay for X number of years to create X number of products, if you were to suddenly shift over to a different type of clay, it takes a certain amount of time to learn, right? Because I don't think it's as as easy, perhaps that the, the qualities of it are different. Yes, definitely. So uh, usually those who, uh, who have tried to start with stoneware first will find it a very difficult transition to porcelain because stoneware, it's hard. Yeah. And therefore it can stay uh, being... Okay, with them being on the wheel for much longer of time and absorb much more water. Mm-hmm. So when you go to porcelain, that's where their porcelain will co- continuously collapse or you keep wobbling and shifting and then not be able to centralize itself. Mm-hmm. So that's a challenge uh, in transitioning between two these two categories of clay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. What about the, the the glazes that you're using? So at least from what I can tell from my perspective, the, the clay, there's so much variations to it and so much more. And I think for the glazes as well, there are a seemingly infinite number of combinations because I, I think I've heard of some people, I think making their own, mm-hmm. uh, making their own using, uh, I don't know, like really old, uh, foliage from from the jungle and stuff like that. There was, there, there was this video I watched about. No, there, there was this video I watched about this Korean potter. Mm. He makes uh, really really huge pots, and he there, he has he has this huge uh, I think well of like liquids, and there's like foliage and grass and everything. And I think that makes the glaze. Oh. And he says it's like really old. Uh, I don't know, like old shrubbery and stuff like that. Okay. So I'm just curious to know, like. The, because the glazing aspect seems to be like the finishing touch, mm. it adds a lot of like aesthetic value, yes. uh, like colors and the creativity to you. So, do you guys use? Do you guys experiment? Like what? Because I have no conception of where do you start with glazes. <laughs> I like transparent glazes, like the, the the easiest one, like the matte ones, and yes. yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you you already got most of the terms right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I only say glazes a lot of times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, the Korean, the Korean uh, pot potter or the Korean pastor actually, uh, what he's doing, he's actually using the material at its rawest form, meaning it's not processed. So if you think about it in its chemical uh, makeup, yep. uh, shrubbery leaves all contain calcium. Okay. 
Is it calcium? If I if I remember correctly, so basically a glaze will contain calcium in it. Mm-hmm. So it depends on what kind of processed material supplies that. So which is why he left probably he left it out in the open to let the yeah, trees yeah. and shrubbery to fall in. Then it he looks, would just stir up and then yep. break it into smaller pieces yep, yep. and then use it. So it gives his his pot that kind of. Uh, I'm not too sure what kind of glaze, but I would suspect it is a kind of wood ash glaze. It looks pretty amazing. Is, yeah, yeah. It actually very it's very runny. Yep. The effects. Yep. So it looks uh like streaks of lines yep. on the body. So I would suspect that has that kind of quality uh, in that type of glaze. So wood ash, as I mentioned earlier in this conversation, is a type of glaze effect. Okay. Um, and also a, a, a typical glaze will con- contain three different components. Okay, this is where my lesson comes in. <laughs> uh, yeah, so- Very excited yeah, about so, this. <laughs> I can tell. Oh, it's very, very interesting. Yeah. So let's have it take a sip. <laughs> so a typical glaze contains three types of components. Uh, one is the glass formers. Uh, which is the silica. Sure. Okay. Okay. So silica is the sand that you can find in the clay. You can find uh in this purest form where it had to process. But silica will not come in this pure form. Pure form only can only exists in a theoretical world. So <laughs> so the silica will always come with mix mix up with Fair. a lot of other stuff inside. Sure. Okay. But the majority is silica. Okay. Then we got the glass stiffness. So glass usually uh when it's molten is very runny. So imagine oh. uh, the glass blowers, yep. you always have to keep rolling it to yep, prevent yep, it from falling. Yep. Yeah. So you apply on the glaze, on the clay. Then you, when you fire it to peak temperature, it will definitely fall off and run off. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So what keeps it stuck onto the body itself is the clay, which supplies alumina. Oh. Yes. So the silica and alumina forms like the glass former site, which yep. uh, you can adjust to create uh, madness or glossiness. Mm-mm. Yeah. Then secondly would be the fluxes. So the opposite of flux is refractory. Okay. Uh, so flux is lower the melting temperature. Refractory is high melting temperature. Yep. Yeah. So we need alkaline metal and alkaline earths in that okay. sense. So usually people will choose uh, between sodium, <coughs> uh, potassium or what was the last one? Let me when it comes to it, uh, uh, magnesium, sorry. Sodium, potassium, magnesium. So okay. those are under alkaline metals. Mm. So alkaline metals will have around 800 degrees-ish, kind of a melting point. And alkaline earths, which is uh, which is earlier on the calcium, uh, strontium, and barium. You just made strontium up, right? <laughs> uh, strontium, strontium, yeah. It can be found on the periodic table. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> calcium... Calcium is also under alkaline earths. Sure. If I remember correctly, yes. Because it's all can be found in the periodic table. Uh, so alkaline earth, alkaline metals form the fluxes category. Okay, so those actually will start the melting going. Because a glass, typical glass will melt at 1723 degrees. Okay. Okay. Very at, hot. Th- at this yes. at this time of the recording, I might be wrong, so I need to check my facts again. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. So alumina also has a very high melting temperature. So how do we melt it at? Our studio and our and they not burn kilns. down the whole yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. uh they will actually use the fluxes to bring down the melting points. So oh. we usually fire uh there's cone 10 and cone 6. These are the two very typical temperatures. So cone 6 is like this empirical conical like uh, uh, uh object mm. that you put in the kiln and let it sit inside to fire with your pots. So it will bend when it's reaching the temperature and you can that you tell want. Uh, yeah, you can uh, tell, yes, whether your kiln is working correctly. Usually, you put it at like a little peephole so you can yes, see Yes, so that's usually that for gas firing. You put it in a row, 
like cone six, cone eight, cone five, cone six, cone seven, cone eight. So put in a row to see which one bends first. So you know your final temperature is around there. So mm. temperature is a range. Yep. Yeah. So cone ten is thousand three. Uh, so it's a bit it's a bit higher than the cone six. So uh, usually pots or potters would prefer firing cone ten, but it wears out the elements faster if they are using electric. But gas is no problem. Just supply fuel and gas out of it. So, f- so even firing at different temperatures mm, would uh, give you different results. Correct. According to, I guess, what the, the potter would want to achieve. Mm, la. Mm. Yes. So they will have to, it seems to me like it's a lot of experimentation. It's a yes. lot. <laughs> so <laughs> it's really relationship with your kiln again on top of your glazers. And so your clay. Yes. You have to three formula. different yeah. things. Yes. Okay. You have to formulate. Clay versus glazers is like, the sun versus like the Milky Way <laughs> galaxy. Glazes yeah. is a bigger universe altogether. Yes. Clay is just like a small part. Yeah, of yeah his, his, his 10 minutes section about the glazes and the was, chemical yeah. just flew yeah, past yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so sorry. Yeah. No, because, okay. It's very technical. It's I only know yeah. the final product, yes. which seems to me like a, a green liquid or whatever, or like a liquid. But yes. these chemicals are what forms the it, basically. Yes. Yeah. So is it possible to just get uh, these elements in their powdered or structured forms and mix them all together to get that? Yes. Mm. So it, it is all in context also. You have to mix in in uh, proportion of it. Sure. So uh, last one, which is colors. That's where it's stained glass, how to get blue. So for example, you add cobalt oxide or cobalt carbonate inside. Then we get green, you get, co- you get chrome oxide or you get copper carbonate inside. So this the transition metals is the colors. So these are the three parts itself. Yeah, so that's the. I think you need to like revise yes. the three parts. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> completely forgot. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the three parts will be the silica, the glass warmers, and then the fluxes, and finally the your colorists. Yeah. Colorists. Do, do you have like a recipe book for all this? Yeah. Because it seems yeah. it is a recipe. Like yeah. you have to this one plus this one in this uh, amount of like mm. variance to yes. get this thing, and you what you make a big pot of it and you put it on side. Oh, we make small it small tests, versions of it. Test it out first. Oh. Yeah. yeah, this is where the it's test house. It's really like baking. In. It's like mm. there's a recipe. You follow it and then you test it out and you see what you get. Yeah, mm. if you follow it exactly, you should get it. Oh, it's should. not a guarantee as well. Yeah, it's not should. Yes. <laughs> So that's how you gotta test it out. Yeah. So there's yeah. like thousands and thousands and thousands of glazed yes. recipes out there. Yeah. So it's a really never ending experimentational process that mm. you can never finish in a lifetime. Because there yeah. will always be new stuff coming up. Mm. Yeah. New experiments to do. Yeah. It's crazy. So I think you mentioned about like <laughs> seven to nine different like uh base metals and stuff like elements. Yeah. Has there been in recent years like a new thing that people add? to get a different result? Mm-hmm. Is that even a thing? Yeah. yeah. Thing. They do. Yeah. Uh, so like neodymium is also one of the oh, rare metals. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. You say strong to <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, it strong, seems yeah. like super far-fetched. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what is that like, again? Uh, neodymium is a rare metal. Okay. But it's very expensive. So okay. it, it's a type of colors that give you a pinkish hue to it. If I'm not wrong, pinkish. Neodymium. Neodymium. Oh, yes. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I think it's at the bottom part of the periodic table. Yeah. So uh, everything you can find in a glaze is all organic compounds. So uh, it depends on the 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 chemical makeup, which will decide or be the deciding factor if a pot is functional. Will it be weatherproof? Uh, oh. Will it be uh, fragile? Or will it be usable or not toxic to the body? Mm-hmm. Correct. So. Uh, usually a functional wear, a typical functional wear will be very stable, uh, will be anti-calorie marks. What do you mean by stable? Stable meaning when you put lemon, you put vinegar, it won't actually start to uh, corrode the glaze itself on the surface. Yep. Yeah. Then if you see like glazes that has crackles, they will, 
technically people say they are not food safe because bacteria will grow in the in, in the cracks yeah. but that is the least of our concern because making a functional wear it should be uh, strong because a ceramic is very strong like the toilet bowls our sinks and mm-hmm. all this so it should be as firm and as so durable as that so a crackle glaze with all those lines all those it looks like ice yep. uh, will be in here structurally weaker than those pots uh, in the long run in the long run correct so which is why we don't recommend crackles as a functional pot but if you want to use it by all means just be prepared sometimes if you put in an oven sometimes you just break apart on itself <laughs> but if it's like a vase or like a decorative like yes. thing it's yeah it should yeah, be fair. normal it should be okay yeah, yeah. Do, do people make glazes from like decomposing stuff is that they a do. thing they actually use cremated ash as a component in a glaze cremated ash as a component in the glaze well that's the first time I've heard of yeah. it wow. so uh, bone ash is actually cool. a component uh, in the glaze also sure uh, so they use typically they use uh, cow's bone interesting yeah but if they can if they can find human's bone also can interesting yeah. what what would be the, the 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 wildest type of glaze that you guys have created wildest type I mean for me uh, my ultimate dream will be crystalline glazes <laughs> <laughs> what is that <laughs> yeah so basically you see a, a typical pot that has little spots on the surface sometimes it's one giant spot that looks like crystals looks like moles look like oh, moles oh, okay, correct okay, when okay, I first okay. saw it I thought it was like is that fungus uh, growing on the pot yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like is that safe to eat <laughs> yeah so it's crystals it's not, yes. not fungus but is yeah. it crystals growing out it's from the pot no, no it's growing like, it's the crystals growing within the glass matrix itself after firing uh, it's after firing you cool you control the cooldown then the crystallized cools and then they will start to nucleate oh that's cool and then you'll create all these little patterns of uh crystals within yeah. the pot mm. yeah yeah. and that is from a glaze yes that after you sculpt and sorry yeah. so after you pot mm. and whatever you, you put it in you yeah. put it in the, and you, you gotta play the temperature as well yes Yeah. so it goes up and down for Correct. the temperature so oh. uh, typical crystalline glaze will go to 1003 yeah. just to get everything melted off Yeah. so which is why crystalline glazes are notoriously runny uh, then we will spoil your kiln and stuff if you don't have a catcher at the bottom okay uh, so after everything run off the remaining uh, alkaline earths for example zinc will start to nucleate or titanium will start to nucleate and cool when it cools mm. it will grow bigger and bigger uh, so people play with uh increasing and alternating their temperature to get the size get the size that they want yeah. so bigger and smaller so you create different layers of nucleation of the crystals but it seems to mm. be less functional more artistic right mm. yes and have you tried this particular thing before? yes uh recently recently we we were testing some crystalline glazes at cone six that doesn't run okay so it's in it in of itself it's kind of an achievement because the possibility of applying on actual pot or functional wear as a decorative element, just a tiny part, uh, will actually gives us more possibility in that sense. Yep. Yeah. I have this image of him like <laughs> doing like uh just just like on a regular day, him yeah. and it's like the kitchen yeah. just pouring chemicals <laughs> inside. <laughs> just trying to make pieces. Just hoping like one out of the ten recipes will be good. You just like, need one will yeah, work. Yeah, I just need one to work. <laughs> so so that is actually accurate. Yes. So you have you have to constantly uh, apart from figuring out 
your relationship to the clay mm. and the clay, you still have to experiment with all these like different possibilities. Yeah. Yes. But, but not all, so we just like to say not all potters have to make their own glazers. Yes. There are commercial ones out yes. there. We just like to make our yes. own glazers. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. We want There's to already pre-made one, yeah. uh, the one in the bottles form. Yeah, you can yeah. just buy it off the shelf and you just glaze your pot and it's perfect. Mm. It comes out oh. nice. Yeah, Whatever oh. you see is what you get. Yeah, yeah. But we just like to experiment right. with the glazer. It sounds pretty right. fun. Yeah. <laughs> because we, we felt that being artists, we should be in control with all our materials. So, uh, making our own glazes will allow us control over what what we use. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because if we don't, if we buy commercially uh, prepared glazes, yes, it looks nice for after a while, but it becomes very repetitive yep. in, the, in our product. So, it doesn't create any excitement. Yeah. So, that's just why we wanted to make our own glazes and just to see how it, where it brings us. Yeah. Mm. In closing to this conversation, I just have two questions. The first question would be, what has pottery taught you about yourselves? I'm not very patient. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean... But patience and patience, grit is two different things, yes, right? Yeah, pa- patience is one thing. I, I, I think I have grit, but I think when it comes... For me, I think when it comes to, like, I I, I tend to gravitate towards, like, short-term gratification. Mm. So I need to see results, like, yeah. now. And... If I can't get it, I'll just move on to the next thing. Yeah. So in that sense, maybe um, pottery is not really for me. But I'm, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm Ellen's partner in more. Actually, I'm doing more of the business side of it. So in that sense, I think I'm really good at that part, and I'll stick to my part <laughs> in, in that in that role definitely for the for the foreseeable future, lah. Yeah. <laughs> Ellen. Yeah. So what I talk about me is, uh, is uh, even though I'm slow, I'll eventually get it. So that that. That phrase has always stuck in, stuck with me since uh, during my uni days. I tell my teacher, yeah, I'm I I'm naturally very slow because I I learn things very at a slower pace, but eventually I will get it. So pottery is kind of something that taught me that in the sense that everyone progresses at a different pace. So we cannot really rush it. For example, firing. You fire for like eight hours, you cannot suddenly open it up mid-firing and then you just enjoy yourself because of the heat. So point. that uh, that is an example that things cannot be rushed. Mm. Uh, that could be another phrase also. Things mm. cannot be rushed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but even though I'm slow, yes, I'll eventually get it. Kind of a mantra that yeah, I keep yeah. telling myself. So yeah. hopefully, uh, I'll keep by it and then persevere in things to come. It feels like the like like pottery in its whole. It's like the antithesis to how. Uh, society functions because society is always at a breakneck speed to go on to the next thing mm. like faster and faster like there is no slowing down yes. but I guess f- from the perspective of a potter like everything has its own time to to develop you need to give it time to develop yes. and it demands that time for you if not you mentioned if you open the the, the clean like an hour earlier mm. things will be disastrous yes. yeah. <laughs> correct 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 <laughs> interesting yeah. Yeah. Um, the last question would be how has the approach to your craft changed? Craft meaning from you starting out to being just like a, like a novice potter to being like business owners. How has that changed uh, your, your your perspectives on things? Because I would imagine being a, a hobbyist potter and being just a potter itself and being a business owner, I think it's three entirely different things. You need yeah. three different mindsets to actually adopt not adopt, but adapt to the different problems that they, they might have. Mm. Yeah, because being a business owner, own sets of problems, being uh, mm. just a craftsman and a potter, it's one, and being a hobbyist is totally different. Mm. Yeah, so how has that journey been? And what has changed? Yeah. I think the hobbyist in me died. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the hobbies kind of became like a a, a, a serious potter already. So every day I'll look in the mirror. I will just okay. I look shall at be. Your hands, okay. Yes, I look Whoa. at my hands. <laughs> then I'll decide. Okay, which role should I take? So should I be a photographer today? Should I be a potter today? Should I be a glaze maker today? So the kind of role we we constantly switch kind of keeps things fresh, uh, constantly. So we don't actually become very complacent. Uh, in in that sense, we we kind of reach the point where we are able to synergize the different roles. Yep. So if as a potter, you will actually look at when you make a pot, does it appeal to the masses? So you are thinking of you are making something for something for yep, someone yep, yep. rather than making it for yourself. That's mm. the difference between the hobbies and then a then a potter yourself. Yep. I feel. Yep. Just like how an artist and a designer, what is the difference? Yeah, you design design for people. Artists, you do what you like. Yep, kind of thing. So eventually, uh, that line kind of gets blurred. But sometimes it has to be drawn uh, very clearly. Yep. Uh, do you I think for, for me? Yeah. Is for I think for me is the other way around actually. Mm. Yeah. How so? Quite surprising because yeah. I realized after so started as a hobby and then it became a business and then now after doing this for about two years already I realized. I like I appreciate the downtimes more actually. Like, <laughs> what, I look, what do you mean by I look, I look forward to the times where I can actually make my own thing. Yes. Because ah. we are so busy, right? So I'm more I'm so occupied with the business side, the admin, the finance, right? Yep, I'm yep. basically playing all the roles, HR, everything. So <laughs> <laughs> so when actually there's actually time for me to want to uh improve on my mini pottery skills or to like just uh, do a nice mini pot for myself or even try to pick up the adult wheel throwing like you were mentioning. Like I actually I actually I am dying for those times and I, wanna, I really want to spend that quiet time mm. to be really present and just doing it for myself versus <laughs> like, oh, tomorrow I have to teach a class. Or I have yep, to do yep, it for yep, you. Yep. So yep. I, don't, I feel it's exactly the opposite of what I learned since, but I guess to each his own. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you foresee yourself being wanting to perhaps in, in the future deviate back towards more of the hobbies and uh, more like a artistic career out of this? Do, do you foresee that? Uh, eventually, yes. Uh, because ultimately things will live out to the lifespan. Mm. So for myself in the future, I would see myself becoming more of an artist uh, once I pick up the skill necessary. Because right now I feel like I'm very objective oriented. So Objective? What does yeah. that mean? So it's like uh, you, you you mentioned about creating for the masses. Correct. So you are making something is to, to, to sell at this point of time. Yep. But eventually uh, that that kind of perspective will kind of switch, turn back on its own. So it become more of self-expression. Yep. So I will say in the future, yes, I will see myself become, becoming an artist. So uh, it's a journey yeah. like ultimately. Mm. Correct. Hobbies to potter to artists. Yes. <laughs> Do you have other creative pursuits outside of, uh, I think, pottery? Since pottery is as encompassed as a uh, beyond it being just a, a hobby, it's more like a business now. Do you mm. have other creative pursuits outside of it? Uh, he has a lot. <laughs> <laughs> His hobbies are never ending. Uh, <laughs> okay. He has okay. a lot. Yeah. Uh, Talk about your planting and your aquarium. Gardening. Okay, so nowadays the, all the plant craze, uh, there's this like 20,000 plants is, is all for this uh, philodendron in uh, fires. Okay. Uh, planting, gardening is one. Uh, also another thing would be aquascaping. Mm. So designing like uh, fish tanks. Oh yeah. yeah, with fish inside. With fish and then with the plants. So the focus is more of the plants and the fish. Yeah. So you the arrange rocks. the rocks. Yeah. yeah, rocks and the moss and the plants. Yep. Uh, and then you 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 
create a scenery out of it. Okay. Uh, so so it's, it's, it is quite different from pottery, right? Yes. Mm. Interesting. What about you, Sarah? <laughs> <laughs> like I mentioned, I'm not a very artistic person. <laughs> Hobby is shopping, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for me, I mean, I don't really have a lot of time as it is. So Fair. usually when I do have a, a, a break or a time off, I'm usually helping him or just like relaxing on my yep, own. Yep. So, I mean, I love to read. La, so reading is like my creative expression. Yep. <laughs> so I will like have internal creative like no, imagining in my mind. Definitely. So yeah, I, I love reading. Yeah. <laughs> Alan, are you very inspired by nature? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> well, obviously. <laughs> okay. He I kind of sensed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was doing aquascaping before uh, pottery. Yeah. Yeah. And aquascaping is the one you mentioned about querying the aquarium. Yes, creating like scenery that. inside the fish tank itself. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Okay, my closing question is I've always wanted to know what do you guys think about when you guys are doing the throwing? Is it just random? things or are you actually like okay i need to do this i need to do that i need to put my finger here to get this is it like very uh, meditated or mm. do you just like zen out and think about some other things and meditate in a sense yeah i'm just curious to know i mean in a perfect world definitely zen out and just like oh everything throw into a box lock the door and just like completely just flow blank, uh, yeah, yeah. Blank that, is, that is the perfect world like, which is what you know people always try to promote about like arts and craft like oh be zen and mindful and stuff like that but honestly, it's not. Okay. When I'm doing, I for me, I'm like, in my mind, I'm telling the clear, okay, stop moving so much. <laughs> like, okay, go, why are you so irritating? Yeah, like, go, go to the left a little bit, okay? Don't wiggle around. Like, that. that's, that's for me. Like, I'm just commanding the clay to just be obedient. Okay. <laughs> Hello? Yeah. Um, for me, the weird thing is, I'm always counting once in my mind when I'm doing- Like doing, a tempo? Yes. Like a tempo, okay. yeah. Uh, so it's one, 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 constantly. So- I sometimes I will just get distracted by oh shit I need to go and recycle my clay I need to go and pack the pots in I need to go and pack the kiln but I will just always uh, call myself back to what I'm doing now because if I get distracted then my clay will somehow add too much water or yep. sometimes it will just like collapse so that's why I'm counting in my mind actually <laughs> when I'm doing I think you should record it yeah. and put it on Spotify yeah. so, <laughs> so people can listen to it like nowadays how they're recording their meows <laughs> It sounds interesting. It sounds like a very good way to 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 to, to center yourself back yeah. into the, the actual thing because it is very like a uh, present. Uh, what what's the word for it? In you have to moment. be focused on the present. Mm. Yeah, yeah. In the moment, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, this has been a fantastic conversation. Where can people find you guys? What do you guys have upcoming? Yeah. Um, we are will be joining the Singapore Clay Festival, so they can there find us. Singapore in, Clay Festival. Yeah. Yes. It's in November, last, the last weekend. Yep. So we'll be we'll have a booth. Um, over there so we'll be selling uh, us and our students will be selling stuff That's so cool. students join mm. the booth to get it uh, so they can get our works and our students works there mm. okay and where can people find you guys um, are you guys on Instagram TikTok you guys TikTok <laughs> yeah <laughs> trying to start trying to start you <laughs> okay. do a TikTok of the tempo <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we are located along Geelang Road uh, yep. unit 475 yep. 475 Geelang Road on the second floor of this uh, traditional Chinese temple so uh, the temple itself uh, is actually owned by my parents or passed wow. on to my mom. That's so cool. Yeah. So day to day, like now is Hungry Coast Festival. So usually we'll help out at the events. Mm. Then uh, where there's classes that we just ask, direct everyone up to the second floor. So yeah, they have to go 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 into the temple to the second floor yep. to the pottery space. Yep. Yeah. That is where they can find us. Is it like uh, a walk-in thing or 
do you have to make an appointment on the website you guys Usually, have? Usually um, walk in, but because of COVID then, yep. yeah. So mm. now we would encourage like you to just drop us an email or mm. just a DM on Insta. Then at least we can prepare and know you are coming. Mm. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm. So yeah. whatever inquiries someone might have can just either Instagram you or uh, DM you on Instagram DM or, or email. email. Yeah, just yeah. two mainly. Mm. All right. This has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank, Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and feel inspired. If you enjoyed what you heard thus far, do give us a follow on Instagram. And don't forget to share and subscribe. Stay tuned for the next episode.